The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to a new week of Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy Underwood, who's trying to give a blowjob to the fucking goddamn studio mic. I ever, no, I'm doing that because you told me to keep my mouth in the right position. What gets me is that these mics are, they're, they're big size, they're not like they my stage mics, big. and your mouth could almost fit over the son of a bitch. Yeah, you're right. I can't fit my hand in my mouth, but then my hands are big. The fuck? There's some people that can fit, fit their fist in their mouth. I can't do that. Never have been able to. Notice the silence? Yeah? But- now you know how I feel. <laughs> so I want you to tell everybody what you got to walk into when you came in to record today. Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of wish we did have this on video because Scott... Looks like a two-year-old child in his feety pajamas with a hood, and it's just weird. And rubber duckies. Yeah, there are rubber, rubber duckies. duckies and his name printed on them. Because it says Scotty on them. I just <laughs> couldn't get over myself when I walked in. I love the look on your face when you walked in. Well, you went, hey, by the way, I... and then you, No, I just can't. I just can't. No. Well, and then I had to take a picture to send my mom because she needs to know what she's getting into if you guys ever get married. Or even in a relationship. Oh, it's going to be purely sexual. Don't worry. She's not going to be wife number six? Mm-mm. She's going to be my love muffin. I can't wait to tell her that you don't even want to marry her. You just want to bang her. It's a better situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to apologize to our listeners for last week. We only gave you guys three episodes, and there was a reason. The weather took a huge turn here. Yeah, we got an early snowfall this year. It was. We had a white Christmas, actually. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even me getting busy with a girl giving her a white Christmas. But anyways, yeah, the, the weather was horrible. I was stuck in places. Yeah, and then you blew and, a tire. Oh, my God. That was a cluster. Yeah, because we were supposed to get together on Wednesday to finish up the episodes. And you sent me a picture saying, uh, this is how my day's going. Yeah, between ice and then blowing a the goddamn tire and having to wait over two hours just to get them to switch it out, to take the back roads, to get over to Central Oregon. To, it, it was just, guys, it was just fucked. It was a clusterfuck. It was, it was. So we do apologize for that. Don't beats me. Don't beats me. We I just better. want you all to know that it was Scott's fault. It was. It was 100% my fault. Yeah. Usually is when we delay or uh, Yeah, because I'm out on the road and doing shit and just yeah. fuck. You know. It was just, it was... Two weeks of fucking hell, and then last week just finally just everything went to shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, you want to tell me about this Elizabeth? I don't know what. Wet loafer. <laughs> That's not wet loafer, and it's two T's. Oh, my God. I can just say it now. And then she has a wet loafer, so you know that's a good date. <laughs> make her hoo-ha like a sponge. <laughs> Man, I'm going to make her hoo-ha look like somebody hit it with a wet sponge. <laughs> you do it in a southern accent, too. Because, because the, the the book that I got that from. Is it based in the south? Yeah, it's all the trailer parks. By, by and large, some are from like the Midwest. Like I think one's from... Uh, so, okay, let me explain to everybody, then we'll get into this. So, I read a lot of, or listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I found one that jumped out to me called It Came From The Trailer Park. Well, and we have to remind people that you are really into um, satirical horror. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we both love horror and we both like horror comedy, but you are really into <laughs> satirical horror. And it is like listening to a B-rated movie. Oh. Each one of them is. It is amazing. Like the thanks slaying or thanks killing. It's thanks killing. Thanks killing one a, and three. Yeah, one and three because there is no part two. Yeah. And Jake doesn't know this shit, but I'm going to make him set through part three with me. <laughs> it's past Thanksgiving, though. Doesn't matter. I made him sit through part one with me. And he just looked at me and go, what the fuck? I don't even just know. Just like you made him sit through the one about the woman with the teeth in her vagina. <laughs> no, I haven't made him sit through that one yet. Oh. I told him he should watch it, though. It's called Teeth. I know I found it. I was going to watch it. And then I said, nah. <laughs> but anyways, go on with your trailer so, park story. It's a bunch of different stories. Short stories. Short stories. Yeah. And uh, there's one about uh, demonic force that captures almost everybody in the town because they set up a church and uh the the girl's talking about her her grandmother who's looking at the the preacher who's actually a demon will you tell me why granny looks like her hoo-ha got smacked with a wet sponge (laughs) (laughs) it was something like that's fucking like the golden ghost town that we want to go visit where they had demonic forces and were oh, set yeah. up the whole church and everything. and I did find out something, by the way. What? This is for our other episode. The Cecil Hotel is no longer a hotel. It is low-income housing. So we can't even go? No. Well, that fucking bites. Well, I'm going to try to contact them anyway. Hey, what, what can they say? Nope. That's the worst I can say. We can always go roam the halls. I want to see if we can go there because if I'm gonna, if I can't spend the night there, I'm spending the night in my my, my footy pajamas. Yeah, well, you're gonna spend the night with me in the room because. Oh no! Oh yes, you're not gonna no. make me sleep in a room by myself. <laughs> I will kill. I will literally kill you. Actually, I was thinking about taking my my bodyguard ogre. Um, you've met ogre. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, well, my son wants to go too because he wants to go to Medieval Times, the restaurant down there. Oh yeah, that's down Orange County. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ogre is if. For those of you that don't know my personal bodyguard, um, Ogre is like six foot seven, weighs in over 400 pounds, big feller. Yeah, he's about, he's not quite as tall as my son, but pretty up there. Yeah. And um, I just want everybody to know that nobody else better call him Ogre because he yelled at me when I did. It is all I did was do it for reference. I said, oh yeah, you're Ogre. You know, and he was just like. Nobody else calls me that. And I'm like, okay, yep. sorry. He's only Scotty's ogre, man. And he comes to almost every show. And he makes sure, because, you know, sometimes we play in some fucking shitty places. And he makes sure the gear doesn't get stolen and nobody fucks with anybody. Well, there you go. He seems like a really nice guy, too, from when he I is. was talking Jay to him. Jay is amazing. Yeah. He's an amazingly nice guy. I have man. a blister on my thumb and I can't get it to. <laughs> is that because of too much masturbating? On my left thumb, I'm right-handed, Scott. Hey, I use both hands because I'm so you good. You swap I, hands and gain a stroke? I can, yeah. I'm like Fucking a ninja. Weirdo. Anyways, let me talk about Elizabeth Wetlawfer since you already wasted 30 let's, minutes. Let's talk about her Wetlawfer a little bit. Anyways, so she's actually a recent case. Um, and I know we've covered a lot, some recent medical serial killer cases already, but this one's a little bit different. This case went to trial in the mid <laughs> 2010s and as a matter of fact it as a matter of fact it was 2016 however the whole thing started almost a decade before that oh so she has a lot of killing under her belt uh well kind of but not really yeah i've been researching studying and reading and writing about sarah color since i was a teenager because we all know that i became fascinated with them with caesar baroni 
and no matter how long I continue to pursue the depths of this subject, there are just some things I don't want to understand. Um, I've never comprehended the concept of a medical serial killer. Granted, I see the appeal because um, that's a profession that you can get into where there's automatically a level of trust with everybody. I mean, it's like that, police officers, firemen, you know what I mean? Um, I don't trust some police officers like Vancouver police. I know. If we say Vancouver police, you automatically... But, I mean, it's still... With a lot of people, it's if you find out that somebody's a police officer and they come over to your house, it's an automatic, okay, you know, I can trust them. Usually. Okay. Usually. If they I come over to my usually. house, I sit there and go, did I put some illegal things away? <laughs> yeah. Did I put that away or not? No, you can't come in. Give me a minute. <laughs> it's weird because even with even though pot's legal here, I still, like, I went to the pot store yesterday. And right. I was only to get the balm. Right. That I use on my hands that, that break up my arthritis. And I'm pulling out of there seriously like I just bought from my drug dealer. My oh, yeah. Dealer. I, I have a problem. I mean, I do it, too, because there's one right next door to my son's work, actually. <laughs> and we go there occasionally. And it's like I come out of there thinking, okay, who just saw me walking in and out of here? Oh, yeah, man. They put my – I got two of them because uh, my special someone wanted some, too. And uh, so I put them they, – they put them both in a bag. I, and I ordered online, by the way, and they were quick about it. Yeah. Kind but, of funny uh, that you don't buy me shit like that knowing I need it, but that's okay. You have lotions and shit. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, I'm walking out of there, and as soon as I walked out, I got paranoid. I'm looking around, is there any cops around? I put, yeah, I put like you need arm, to hide I, the bag yeah, in your I'm like pants. Yeah, I'm the bag, and I'm like getting walking down to my truck, and apparently they give curbside delivery, mm-hmm. but somebody parked where they do their curbside delivery, so I said, well, fuck you then. But yeah, I'm like hiding the bag and everything, and I'm like oh, going home, cop car passed me, oh, shit, there's a fucking cop, oh, God, 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 don't pull me over, don't pull me over, don't pull me over. And I'm, Oh, yeah. Even though I know it's legal. Oh, yeah. Well, and side note about that is when I was pregnant with my son, I went and picked my mom up from work, and I was huge, so I couldn't like fasten the seatbelt or anything, right? And if I could, it was like, I felt like I was going to die. And so um, I was riding with my mom back to her work. And this is right around the time where they mandated seatbelts. And so as I'm driving, my mom sees a cop. She's eating fries. And she sees a cop car. And she automatically goes and pulls the fry down like she's hiding it. I'm like, the fry is not illegal. You're going to get me pulled over. And sure enough, the cop got behind me and pulled me over. <laughs> that's the year I got like 40-some seatbelt tickets in one year, but that's Jesus Christ. All right. So without further ado, let's talk about yeah, let's Wet Snatch here. or whatever her name. Um, so um, when I researched this case and read about how this Canadian nurse, Elizabeth Whitlofer, spent nine years systematically murdering the geriatric patients under her care, um. I didn't even have words to express my disgust. Then that disgust increased when I found out that nobody felt the deaths were worth looking, taking a closer look at. Um, the disgust turned to nausea and anger when I found out that Elizabeth's downright atrocious employment record was covered up. It was covered up by her employers, which seems to be the norm. And However, it was also cut up, covered up by the workers' union she belonged to. Get the fuck out. I thought we got over that after fucking, like, uh, uh, Charles... Colin. Colin. And uh, Shipman. But and Shipman. Yeah, no. And then there's even more still going on in Canada that fuck. really 
pisses oh, me off. Well, okay, well, yeah, because Colin was here and Shipman was over in fucking Germany. But still, but you, and yeah, then you, you have would, Niles Hogel in Germany, but still, and can, this is the only medical one I've been Shipman able to find Germany in Canada. Too, right? Wasn't he? No, Shipman was UK. Was he? Oh, Him that, and that was, Norris that was, were UK. I'm, okay. That, yeah. That's what I was thinking. So I was thinking of a uh, super detective and super judge. Yeah, that, that's in UK. Oh, my bad. But yeah, that, you would think especially Canada, but honestly, fucking, I'm just thinking fucking, it's Canada. It's, okay. I'm going to catch so much shit. Yeah, because uh, Canada is our second highest market, so careful. It's socialized health care up there. And while I believe that everybody's entitled to health care, we handle things down here a bit differently. Right. And I believe and I believe in socialism, even though we don't have it here, if it's done right. I don't think that it ever is because I don't think there's been. Uh, I, I, there's, it, it is in Germany, actually. I have a friend who lives over there, and he says it's way better. Shut up. I wish it was better, but it isn't, and we both know it. That's because Hitler's not there anymore, huh? It makes me sad. No, um, <laughs> on a serious note, though, like in Canada, because my ex-wife is Canadian. Right, right, right. She talked about getting the flu once. She's like, God, i got to go to the doctor. I'm just so freaking sick. Uh, and she goes to make an appointment. She's sick, and it's like two weeks. Before she can get in. So why didn't she go to urgent care or, or they do like not that. have you, that no, up there? You can go to the emergency room. Okay. You know, but she just wanted to make a regular doctor's appointment. Right, right, right. It's not an emergency. She knows what's wrong. She had the flu. Right. Um, you know, and down here, if I call my doctor, I get pissed off if they tell me, okay, Scott, well, you can see your doctor, but you're going to be waiting two days. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, yeah. I can two fucking get days. In, if I call first thing in the morning, I can get in the same day. Yeah, but, you know, usually, okay, okay, your doctor's not available, but we have Dr. Smith. You know, you can see him today at, like, 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's no wait two weeks for shit, for a fucking thing. Yeah. Well, my friend in Germany, um, when his wife got pregnant, they automatically covered his health care and paid him, gave him, because they pay you um, paternal and maternal leave. Oh, the socialized government does. And so he actually got paternal pay while she was pregnant and everything. And he was looking for a job at the time because they had just moved over there. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, he's I mean, he's awesome. I love him to death. But um, yeah, so I was I was able to find a shit ton of information on Elizabeth's childhood. Are you ready? Shoot it at me. Yeah. Elizabeth wet. Wetlopper was born Elizabeth May Parker in Zora, Ontario, Canada. I, I know on June tenth, nineteen Ontario was in Zora. Nineteen sixty-seven. Get us some coffee. Yeah, and from what I could gather, Zora is a small, mostly rural community on the outskirts of Woodstock. Um, you gonna get me some too, please? Oh, I th- thought you said me. Anyways, so wait, did I say I was able to find a shit ton? I meant to say I wasn't able to find a shit tank because, as a matter of fact, that is the only information I was able to find on her early childhood. But I still have a couple of videos and television programs to watch, so I might find out some more. Um, So then we have to skip ahead to Elizabeth's teenage years. According to her confession, which I got a lot of this information from because it came directly from her, uh, she did graduate high school after grade 13. Um, which they call kindergarten grade one up there. So, 
After high school, Elizabeth thought she wanted to be a journalist. So she enrolled in journalism school. However, she only remained in that program for about one year. After she left journalism school, she enrolled in London Baptist Bible College located in London, Ontario. Thank you. Which um, we all know Baptists are just, well, let me take that back. I don't want to piss off any religion. Um, some Baptist churches are a little questionable. Oh, I'll freaking holy say it myself. Southern Baptist, man. Jesus Christ. Yes. Well, no. White Southern Baptist. Yes. No, and I agree. Because I've been to a few black Southern Baptist churches. Oh, me churches. too. And they are like. They're amazing. On it like blue. Bo- I mean, you dance in the aisles and. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's always something that's kind of uplifting. It, it pretty much, hey, man, don't be a total asshole and then you'll be fine. And then there's white Southern Baptists. Where- and you better sit in that pew straight upright and don't even freaking talk. Oh, I, yeah, in a white Southern Baptist church, you're going to, yeah. you're basically, you're They're going a turn to and burn die. It, yeah, you know. oh, 100%. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Um, so after, oh, I said that already. And so she remained in that program and even managed to graduate from it. When she did graduate, she had a counseling degree. Um, however, not long after graduation, she didn't feel as if counseling was the field she really wanted to be in. So she decided to return to college to continue her studies, and this time she focused on math and science. Okay? So in 1995, Elizabeth decided to move to Geraldton, and that's a town in northern Ontario, and apparently it's a very isolated area, and since I'm not familiar with Canada, I'm just going to take Canadian's word for it. Um, that's where she started her career as a registered nurse. Uh, she managed to get a job rather quickly when she was hired to work for Geraldton District Hospital. However, her employment with them didn't last very long. Um, she'd only been working there for a few months when someone saw that she seemed to be in a dazed state. Um, they actually said kind of incoherent. Was she getting stoned? Uh, she was impaired somehow, and her supervisor wanted to ask her why. Um, and that's when she told them that she had misappropriated a significant amount of anti-anxiety medications. Oh, shit. And according to her, she was hoping to commit suicide by taking those pills. Um, well, at least she's not anxious about it. <laughs> right? The, the anxiety was gone, but hey, she was out of it like, you Fuck, know. man. See, that right there should have been enough to... That should be the end of her story. Like, seriously. It should be but one of those things where they go, hey, this is what happened. No, you're not a nurse anymore. Yeah. And um, I'll say this, too. Unless you get, like, the barbiturates, anti-anxiety medications really aren't the ones to take for a suicide. No. No, no. Yeah. I mean, they might make you happy or a little no, the, woozy, all, but. In my opinion, because doctors and nurses are so. So they should be held to a higher standard. One, I think politicians should be as well. Oh but, no, let's not get into that. But right. uh, yeah, they, they they should be, and it should be one of those things. Like it should be known, you know. Hey, if you get caught and you're getting fucking wasted on, you know, if you're misappropriating medications mm. that you're supposed to be doling out, you don't have a job. Period. Right. Well, when I was pregnant with my son, I volunteered at my mom's work because I was tired of being on bed rest, and um. One of the administrators at the time, the um, corporate, the owner and some corporate officials like stormed into the facility. They like walked in like stormtroopers one day. I was just thinking the same thing. Then Darth Vader followed. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, 
and they uh, went to her office and watched her pack up her stuff because she was being escorted out of the building because they found out that she was a drinking on the job and misappropriating medication. And she was the administrator. Your lack of proper medication. Yeah. So she didn't have a nursing degree or anything, but still they uh, revoked her license to work in medical care anymore. And that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. Honestly, because these are motherfuckers that are in charge of making a person better or at least. Yeah. And you don't want to be out of it to do that. Right. Uh, they're, They're responsible for your health. Oh, yeah, totally. Because I'll tell you what, when I'm at a doctor. Whether I know that doctor or nurse or not. Well, I won't go see a doctor I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or a nurse for that matter. But you know, whatever. okay, so let's say I go let, let's say I go over to like because I've got Kaiser, I go over to the urgent care or even the emergency room at Kaiser. I've got no choice. I have to be able to trust these motherfuckers. Oh yeah, totally. And that doesn't matter if they're giving me a shot or they're I'm getting a physical and there's a finger up my asshole <laughs> palpitating my prostate. I have to trust that yeah. person. Oh yeah, totally. You know, totally. That's why I say higher standard, man. Her story should, honest to God, end right there. So, yeah. Hey, you were caught misappropriating, and you were taking all the, you know. Yeah, fucking, and you wanted to commit nope. suicide. So obviously, you have some mental issues. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying even permanently, okay? Because I'm a, I'm a forgiving guy. I'm saying yeah. you can become a nurse again after you've completed a program, and uh, you know, and. Your depression's taken care of, so you don't want to commit suicide. Right. You know? And I'm not going to say that pe- people with mental illnesses should not work in healthcare. But what I am going to say is that if you are on medication that is really strong, and you know what I mean? Like, because they have right. medication where you're not allowed to operate heavy machinery and shit like that. If they are on a strong medication like that, then no, they should not. I didn't date a girl because of the medication I took. It said I couldn't operate heavy equipment. <laughs> but didn't you get her pregnant? Oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You, Fucking, you liked that like one, right? Fist bump on that shit. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That was, that was actually pretty good. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty proud of you on that one. Yeah. So upon finding out that information, the supervising staff at the facility fired her. Uh, they then made a note in her employment file stating that she was terminated for misappropriating patient medication and had been impaired on the job. Oh, there you go. They did the right thing. Uh, yeah. However, I wasn't able to determine if she requested the next series of events or if they were just done on her behalf. But her employment at when her employment was terminated, the union, Ontario Nurses Association, chose to file a complaint on her behalf about the documentation of her record. And so in response to that Fuck. grievance, the hospital administration conceded to amending what they had written. And when all was said and done, the hospital's record pertaining to her employment from that point forward indicated she decided she decided to resign for health reasons. That's ridiculous. That's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So a at that point, a precedent had been set, and the first of Elizabeth's work violations is covered up. Um, according to her confession to detectives, she said, I worked there but couldn't stand the isolation, moved back. Her statement tells me that she was in complete denial as to the reality of what was going on. You know, even I back agree. then. Yeah. You know, because it's like it was covered up, so that gave her an excuse to, like, you know... Um, Then when she returned to Woodstock, she got another job. This time she would be working for Christian Horizons. It's a nonprofit organization group 
uh, it's a nonprofit organization that runs a group home located in Woodstock. Uh, she worked there until 2007, and from what I could ascertain, there weren't any incidents during that whole time, from like okay. 1997 to 2007. Um, then in 1997, prior to you know getting the end of her employment there, she got married to a guy by the name of Donnie Wetlawfer. Shut up. She and Donnie were married for approximately 10 years, uh, when according to her, her marriage simply fell apart in February of 2007. After her marriage deteriorated, she decided to go online to meet someone new. This time she met and became involved with another woman, which I'm okay. And may I interject something here? That it, might be the reason why her marriage deteriorated. If she probably, was really man. She's, she's of an ancient dinosaur breed, Nicolotopus. I wonder if they have pictures. I cannot even go on Chihuahua. right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't even fucking speak. Did you hear about the gay dinosaur Omegasaurus? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dad joke 101. So the two women soon moved in together, and according to her confession, she says, I ended up quitting the job I was at to make a little bit more money because I was the only breadwinner. However... Most of the reports I read said that the administration at Christian Horizons went to her and asked her to leave. Apparently, when she entered into a relationship with another woman, it violated their policies. A same-sex relationship contradicted the organization's religious teaching model, and therefore someone in in an LGBTQ plus lifestyle couldn't be working for them. So, well, as as fucked up as that sounds... I understand because that's their religious practices. And I've always said, and I've even said this to my gay friends, in order to be, if you want everybody to accept it, be be accepting of you, you need to accept that some people aren't going to agree with your lifestyle. Well, yeah. And that's the case with almost anything. Right. With anybody. And it says in the Christian Bible that, you know, man shall not lay with man and women shall not lay with women. Side note on that. The original version of the Bible says man shall not lay with boy. Because uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was practicing, like, basically pedophilia. So, wait a minute. I can lure little girls into my van? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. But anyways, no. <laughs> but I do also have a side note, though. That was in 2007. Weren't there equal opportunity laws in effect during that time that prevented discrimination against sexuality choices? I don't know. I, 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 we're talking well, Canada. Right. And then I said, but does Canada not have similar laws on the books? Because I thought the majority of world had evolved to that discriminating against one's lifestyle choices, especially in developed countries. You know, I would agree. Yeah. But like I said... The teachings of the Christian religion say that's true. That 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 is true. That's against their religion, and you know, I think that people should, if that's what you truly believe, you should hold fast to your religion, one hundred percent. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with it, right? And but then we have to look at also that not everybody who is employed there is of that religion. Mm, yeah, there's you know that too. That's that's a slippery slope. It is, and if you are hired on there and they make it clear what their guidelines are, then, you know, if you change that, just go to them and say, hey, look, this is what's going on. You know, be upfront and honest about it. 
Are you texting your son again? He's yeah, like he wanted to know right what, there. Because he wanted to know what year, and I'll just fucking tell him. It was like 2007. Yeah, 2007 is yeah. when this happened. Now, now we're curious to find out if they did have equal rights. Oh, is he looking at the interns looking it up for us? Oh, how? So if those other reports are accurate and they are from credible sources, and they are from credible sources, I will say, Elizabeth's statements alone indicate there was a pattern developing. It seems as though she had fallen into a pattern of denial. Yeah, totally. Because she's saying that she left because she needed more money, whereas reports are indicating she was terminated because of her lifestyle choices. Right. So now we have drug use and lifestyle choices. Now, okay, the drug use, I understand. Yeah, me too. I, and lifestyle choices is somebody's choice. The thing with the lifestyle choice, even though it is a Christian organization. Oh, you keep biting it. I think that there should be some sway with that. And, and here's why. Because... I don't believe that somebody should judge another person's work ethic or anything like that based on religious belief right. or lifestyle choice. Exactly. Exactly. You know? like, um, and they said that she was an excellent nurse during that time. Oh, okay. And well, she had go. no, there was no indication that she was malicious or had, you know, nefarious intents or actions during that time. Yeah. Well, there, so. there you go. You know, I just, yeah, that's. Ah, it's a, such a slippery slope. It is. Like, it is a damn. slippery slope. And I mean, I know what I believe, but, and this is how I look at it. Somebody's lifestyle choice is their fucking choice. It's none of my business, you know? No, yeah, no, And totally. I don't belong to Westboro Baptist Church, so I'm not going to sit out there and say that they're all going to hell <laughs> because I don't believe that. Um, so after being let go from, or Leaving Christian Horizons in early 2007, she applied for a nursing position at Caresant Care, which is also located in Woodstock. Uh, since her employment records seemed to be in order, she had no problems getting hired, and the company didn't even bother interviewing her. They just hired her after reviewing her resume. Um so as it turns out, this is a large for-profit corporation, and they own and operate approximately 10 long-term care and assisted living facilities around under their corporate umbrella. So it's like my mom worked for, and it's a plug here, Marquee Care, and they own a shit ton of facilities as well as in Oregon, as well as pharmacies and, you know, further out. Go ahead. So the non-discrimination non-discrimination act started in 1964. Title seven, Title seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 uh, protects employees and job applicants from employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. Unless you're unless you're a Jew, then you can't work here at all. Yeah, so, well, that was in Canada? Oh, because, you know, because they didn't, they still discriminated against sexuality choices, but at the same time, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so then, um, once she got hired there is when she started killing her patients. Oh. Uh, yeah, so before I get into how and when she start, first started killing I want to mention something that happened while she was giving her confession. She talked about all of the killings in general and specifically mentioned the murder of one patient to describe what she was feeling every time she took a life. She said that she had a deep-seated anger, and before she killed a patient, she kind of heard something. 
She claimed it was like a voice said inside me, I'll use you, don't worry about it. Then she said afterwards she would get a different feeling, and she said, I would hear like a laughter in my tummy. So to me, that says psychosis. That's not fucking creepy at all. Yeah. <laughs> so to illustrate her point, she talked about a specific murder. Apparently, sometime in September 2007, she managed to give the first of her patients an overdose. And um, this patient's name was Clotilda Adriano. I know. And what is up with that name? I'll get into it later, but she also killed Clotilda's sister. But And to hear Elizabeth tell it, she never meant to cause the woman's death. Okay. She told detectives, I didn't really want her to die. I, I just, I don't know. I was just angry and had this sense inside me that she might be a person that God wanted back with him. Okay. So he's not the one from Canada. Uh, one Canada came, uh, 1985, called the Canadian Human Rights Act, and it covers the same shit. Oh, okay. So 1985. But then again, we don't un- know what, if religious, and it was a nonprofit. So it wasn't a state-sponsored organization, you know. Oh, it would have been state-sponsored, yeah, being a non-profit. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, religion too, yeah. Same wow, show. well, there you go. She should have sued the fuck out of him. That's right. Sued the Jesus out of him. That's right. Um, so she even told Detective, his name was Detective Hergot, H-E-R-G-O-T-T. I know. Always something. You know, Always wait, something. It's Every time I present a case, there's always one or five things in there that make me not even want to talk because I, I've known you for so long now that, you know, we've known each other for almost a year and I already know exactly what you're going to say because we think alike and <laughs> now I think too much like you. But um, he was conducting the interrogation and that after that first murder, she had that feeling in her stomach immediately afterward, that like laughter that she always felt. And as the interview went on, she talked about some other feelings that led that led into her murders. And this is what she said. I just had a sense after my marriage broke up that God was going to reuse me for something. Um, and then she says that, However, she also talked about what she started to feel after killing for a while. And then she says, after a while, I started to really wonder after some of the murders. <laughs> and I'll get into this a little later, but it's a bizarre twist on what brought her down. Um, apparently, Elizabeth had grown concerned about the feeling she was having after some time. And she couldn't tell if the voices were really from God or if they were, in fact, the devil trying to trick her into doing his bidding. Which, like I said, again, tells me psychosis is going on. If she thinks that either God or the devil is talking to her. You know, because, don't get me wrong, people who are really into religious and have a relationship with God really believe that he speaks to them on some level. Okay. However, I don't believe he's a voice inside their head that tells them to kill people. I can't envision... Any God with this deep voice goes, come to me, my child. Let me give you guidance. Mine would be there. Dude, what the fuck's up? Okay, you're smoking a bowl right now. Probably too stoned to go to the store, but you need to go shopping. Yeah, you need to at least order something and have it delivered because you're going to be hungry in about five seconds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and don't get all the cookies you want, bastard, because you're, you're fat and have diabetes. <laughs> I bless you with Uber Eats. <laughs> you know? That's right. It you know, God didn't create Uber Eats for no reason. <laughs> exactly, man. Um, however... Um, All Elizabeth said she wanted to do at that time 
was do right by her patients. So when her got asked her if she had in fact done right by those individuals, she actually said, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't right for them. Okay, confusing. Continue. Well, yeah, and then you'll understand more what I'm saying when I get into her confession, more into her confession and what brought her down. Confess, my child. Confess. um, I want to point out Elizabeth has been diagnosed with mental health disorders. Um, A psychiatrist documented that she was a borderline personality disorder. Um, Keep in mind, this is a serious medical health condition where patients experience anger, impulsivity, anxiety, and mood springs mood swings and they also have the experience commonly experience the following life events either a failed or broken marriage because they don't have that ability to connect with people right and then they also have an idea a suicidal ideation and alcohol and drug abuse which we see in her yeah Already, yeah. I was oh, say, three she, of those things. She's, she's ticking it off like she's yeah. looking at the list. Plus you know? the mood swings and all that other shit. So not long after going to work for one of the Carasant facilities, she realized that the long-term care establishment was severely understaffed, that establishment. Um, for that reason, she was often finding herself working double shifts to make sure the residents received care. And at the time when she was hired, because there was no incidents for over 10 years, she really wanted to make sure her patients were taken care of, you know, and I can see that with the nurse because my mom would have done the same thing. Um, so uh, there were times, though, during the night or graveyard shift where she alone was responsible for the care of as many as 100 patients. God damn. Yeah. And Look, it's, I can see a stressful situation right there. Yeah. Well, and I know in Oregon, they have laws that you can only have, you have to have so many staff per so many patients. This? Okay. I didn't know if that's what you were pointing at. So as reported, <sighs> oh, then this would have been a highly stressful work environment <laughs> under normal circumstances. However, that stress is compounded when the individual in those situations, has mental health issues. Because they're already dealing with stress and anxiety, and then you add on that, it just compounds their feelings. So as reported by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, or CBC, Elizabeth resorted to extreme measures. To relieve the pressure, she said she tried to kill two patients just to see what happens. Now, at first... She tried injecting a few patients with regular insulin. There were two of them. However, oh, the I'm going to moan at that already. God well, damn it. We're in 2007 or 2010, yeah, whatever no, it is at this dude, point. And no arsenic, this, no insulin. Try something else. Fuck, man. You know, I want to get this blister. It hurts. Anyways. Um, she didn't do her research. That's why I'm already pissed at her. Right. Well, the dosages she was using weren't fatal amounts. It's probably a good thing for her that the two patients didn't die as a result of the injections, considering one of them, Michael Priddle, was only 63 years old, and the other one, Wayne Hedges, was only uh, 57. So if she had managed to murder them, red flags probably would have been raised immediately because they were so young. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you know, compared to the other victims. Now, after those two failed attempts, she decided to do a little experimenting. She started using mixtures of both fast-acting and long-acting insulins, and eventually she found a mixture ratio, a mixed ratio that proved to be fatal. Um, she finally got the mixture right in August of 2007, 
And on August 11th of that year, 84-year-old James Silcox had the misfortune of being the first patient she made the conscious, conscious decision to murder. Um, when she talked to the detective later about James' murder, this is what she had to say. He's the first one that died as a result of what I did. I gave him a dose of 50 milligrams of insulin, and he wasn't diabetic. I used a borrowed pen and gave him an insulin shot. And throughout the night, he was yelling out, I love you. And he said, he said, I love you. And he said, I'm sorry. Not to her, but just you could hear him calling out in his room down the hallway. Um, at 3.30 a.m., the personal support worker came to her and she says the personal support worker came to me and said he was gone. So I did what we're supposed to do. I went and listened to his heart and chest, called the doctor, called the family because that's what they wanted. Family came in to sit with him for a while. Then, you know, this goes on to say that when the doctors examined James later, the medical examiner document, actually the doctor that came in, documented that the elderly man's cause of death was due to suffering from an embolism. Apparently, he came to this ruling um, because James had recently had surgery, and since there didn't seem to be any other health issues, an embolism seemed like a logical conclusion, which I can kind of see on some level, because they thought I had an embolism. At one time, but I ended up having double pneumonia. I thought it was just a retardation issue, but okay, go ahead. You know, I hate that word. And fuck off. Okay, let me say it in your 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 your, your native language. I know I have something to you right now. <laughs> and this is how you know Scott You're died. You're going to get the air compressor can. That's heavy She's going to beat me with a fucking air compressor can. That's great. Yeah, because I'm not going to throw anything of mine at you. I'll never get it back. <laughs> Anywho, so um, as James' family was leaving, they stopped to talk to Elizabeth on the way out. They praised her for the good work she had done taking care of James, and they really appreciated her spirit and her practices. That sounds familiar. Much like what the hell was she had the older lady with the with the really short hair who was running with babies, and uh, every time that they would die, she'd like grab a baby or a child. Oh and run yeah, down. yeah, yeah, uh, Janine um, uh, Jones. Yes, that, that down in Texas, exactly like her, because they said the same. Oh my God, you're such an amazing nurse, and you do such a great and you're job. loving to our children like they're you, your own, and blah. You're just fantastic. Until she they was found a out, fucking crazy ass. Yeah, until they found out she was a fucking psycho Sally, <laughs> and she was the one killing their yeah. loved ones. <laughs> so. Um, when her God asked her how she felt when they commended her, she said she felt absolutely awful at the time because that was her first murder. Oh, and that, according, that's appropriate. Yeah. According to her confession, after that murder, she went home and she had difficulty sleeping. Apparently she, apparently, she lied down for bed and could only toss and turn most of the night, which I get. I mean, it's your first that's murder. appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, it didn't stop her from striking again. Um, she managed to get past that awful feeling a little over three months later. That's when 84-year-old Maurice, and he went by Mo, Graynat, G-R-A-N-A-T, had the misfortune of being the next patient. However, when Mo died, again, absolutely nobody was concerned. He wanted Mo time to live, but she did not give it to him. I knew you were going to say something stupid. <laughs> Apparently, no red flag was raised in this in regards to... No more to, red flags. 
to Mo's death because he was what people described as a frail old man. Yeah, you're 84 years old. You're in the hospital. Yeah. You're all fucked up. You know, no, nobody. Well, you're gonna, in a nursing home, but yeah. But then nobody's going to turn around and go, he died so young. We didn't expect this. At 84 years old, you're like, yeah, he's taking a dirt nap sometime fucking soon. Yeah. Not yet. Thank you. Not yet. I still have about half a cup. Thank you, though. Um, after reading this description, I wasn't surprised when people weren't concerned about him dying. Um, since I grew up in the industry, I know for a fact that it's common for a frail old man in a long-term care facility to die. Yeah, well, it's like when my grandma died. She was like, I don't know, like about 200 years old. She was, <laughs> no, she, she was like over 100. She was she Yeah, was well, old, old, my grandma you know? was really old too. But And while it's sad because she died in a nursing home and, you know, she was losing her mind. Yeah, so was mine. It was expected. It, it wasn't one of those right. things like, oh, my God, we didn't see this coming. Yeah, you kind of did because she's like a million years old. Right. And you got to check out every once we, in a while. Even though my grandma was relatively healthy for the majority of her life, except for the dementia, which is common in my family, um, she had fallen and broken her hip. And usually when an older person falls and breaks their hip, it's downhill from there. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's common. Right. It's a that, common that belief. To my grandmother as well. Yeah. I'll tell so, you, i got to throw this in there for old people. There's a guy that I work with. His name is Ed Nukula. And he Ed is who to what? Nukula is his last name. He's a Finnish dude. And Ed... And you don't make fun of that name at all? Oh, no, I do. Okay. I'll get into Ed jokes in a minute. But uh, Ed is in his, like, mid... He's in, he's in his 80s, I think. Wow, and he still works. Seven, 70s and 80, or 80s, something like that. I think he's just turned 80, whatever it is. He looks still like he's like 65. Oh, yeah. Well, all the women in my family look really young. He got sick and went to the hospital for a little while, got out. He's just fine. And Ed is a riot, man, because we <laughs> keep in mind, I've known Ed for years. So I'll walk in occasionally. I go, okay, Ed, you ready to train me? I'm going to work in the office with you for the next week. You and I are going to be friends. He just shakes his head. Oh, no, no, anybody but you. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I don't care if you can't drive. You're not working beside me. Yeah, It's been our running joke forever. No, Ed is really easy. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. Just just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, he's he's active as hell. And he's like in his like late 70s, early 80s. Right. Well, my mom's in her early 70s. And you've seen pictures of her. If you just look at her face and don't take into fact that she's almost decrepit. I've seen um, pictures of her. Shut up. Anyway, yeah, with her purple hair. Anyways. Which was hot. If When you look at her face, she doesn't look like she's in her 70s. Right. And I don't look like I'm in my 40s. I've had many people say, you look like you're in your late 20s, early 30s. I said, well, thank you. I should kiss you right now. They're afraid of Sasquatches. But anyway, go ahead. Well, well one time I was carted in and I was like, well, bless you. And she looked at my ID. She goes, I never would have guessed you were in your 40s. I'm like, well, thank you very much. <laughs> no, but yeah, Ed always, and he's like, like super active. Yeah. Just and just a really nice guy, man. I, I, I'm pretty sure that Ed is going to outlive all of us. Yeah, that's what we said about my grandma. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be like 900 years old going, I remember when the last 9, 10, 13 fucking generations died. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this guy named Scotty who worked for us back in the 2000s. And he was a <laughs> Dick. Yeah. You'll never guess what he did. <laughs> so, however, what did surprise me when I read this account was that even in 2007, which was after Cullen, after Shipman, 
that the medical facility she worked for didn't keep track of their supplies of insulin. They kept detailed records of the narcotics they had on stock and how that medication was distributed, but they did not keep those same types of records for other medications they gave the rest of See, and that's stupid because insulin expires. It's right. an expiration date. Yeah, and, and it needs warm. to be refrigerated. And, right. You know, well, most of it does. Not all of it does anymore. But at the same time, my mom's facility, and even if they had to give an aspirin, it was accounted for. No, exactly. And I've, I've explained that before when I've had friends. They go, God dang, I'm looking at this medical bill, what my insurance had to cover. Why the hell is it? $100 for aspirin. It's like 25 bucks for an aspirin. I can buy a whole goddamn case of them for that. I know. Well, here's why. Because, number one, you're going to request an aspirin from a nurse. Mm-hmm. The nurse is going to have to call the doctor who's going to write the prescription to the pharmacy who has to fill it, who has to send it up so the nurse can fucking give it to you. There's like 100 people who have yeah, their hands so on that damn thing. you're actually covering the doctor's work, the nurse's work, the pharmacy's work, and the medication. To make, And it's all to make sure that nobody is going to fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. That's the whole goal. Yeah, even with an aspirin, they have to scan your little barcodes and shit. Trust right. me, I know. And it's for everybody's safety. Mm-hmm. So if you want to bitch about that, boys and girls, thank Colin. Because he's the one in this country oh, that kicked that totally, fucker off. Totally. He, he's the one that implement. He's the one that... He's the reason why it takes forever for you to get a medication anywhere. <laughs> Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's him and assholes like him. Yeah. That caused him and happen. Harvey and well, Harvey wasn't orderly, but still. But yeah, it, yeah. it used to be to where if you went to the hospital and you looked at the nurse and you said, I got a headache. You haven't asked me. Hold on. Let me look at my purse. Yeah. I got oh, some yeah. Tylenol. Hey, have a Tylenol. Yeah. And now they can't. That's a fucking felony. You can't do that. Oh, yeah. And there was one time back in the like early 90s when I was in the hospital for one of my migraines and I was just joking around with the doctor. He goes, is there anything else you need before I go check on other patients? I said, oh yeah, a morphine drip. And I was kidding. And he goes, okay, no problem. And within five minutes, I had a morphine drip. Hmm. Hypothetically, where can I find this doctor at? Well, he was at the emergency room in the town I live in. However, I don't think he's there anymore and they don't do that so much anymore. Oh, that makes me so sad, man. I mean, um, I need a Demerol drip. Um, <laughs> Actually, but however, that is the same facility I went to for a migraine, not, you know, after, you know, within the last couple of years and they pumped me so full of narcotics that I thought I was going to die. And I kept saying, I don't want any more drugs. It's not working. You know, I'm still over here throwing up and can't open my eyes. But, um, so in 2008, she started misappropriating more patient medication in an effort to self-medicate her anxiety issues. Again. Right. Jesus Christ. But she wasn't caught this time. As a result, she soon developed an addiction to prescription medication, which would eventually include opioids. All right. Well, that's... Yeah, that's progression. So when her got asked Elizabeth why she had started taking the medications back in 2008, she said it was her way to deal with the stress of even her normal shift. Because she claims, and these are her words, always, she was always feeling like she had, I had to be the best possible person and very, very stressful job giving medications to 32 people and making sure treatments were done on 32 people. Now in Oregon... 32 people is unheard of with one, one that's caregiver. Socialized me- that's socialized health care. Yeah. Think, okay. Because I think my mom's facility was at most 10. Here's the deal. 
let's say that I go into the hospital in Canada and I am one of 32 patients Mm -hmm. and I'm not getting my stuff on time because there's only one nurse. (laughs) I'm on that button. (laughs) You can bitch all you want. They're going to be like, "Ah, there's one nurse. Don't know the fuck to tell you. You know, government's paying for it. Can't tell you. This is why I love my private, very good health care. And I'll tell you why. Because now if I go to the hospital and it's like, hey, it's time for me to have like my painkillers or whatever. If I'm not getting them on time. Yeah, and they usually bring them to you. You don't even have to ask for them anymore. Exactly. Unless it's a PRM, which is as needed. If it gets too bad, I'm going to make a call. My attorneys are going to be calling them, sitting there going, hey, are you trying to kill our, our client? Well, what are you doing? Why? Why is this happening? Yeah. You know, that's provided that I don't get it through talking to the head nurse or anything going, hey, I was supposed to get my dope fucking, you know, a half hour ago. Yeah. And then they're very apologetic. Oh, we're so sorry, Mr. Alexander. Let me kiss oh, your yeah. ass. Well, the only time I've ever had a problem getting medication wasn't when I was in the hospital was um, during the night shift when there is less staff per patient. You know, okay, then but I still, can, it's only I'm been like, you know, 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes tops. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i an understanding person. If it was only like five or 10 minutes, I'd be like, hey, you know, fucking people get busy. That's cool. But if we're talking like it's an hour later and I'm in pain, I'm hitting that call button. Oh, hell yeah. When I hit that call button, there better be a fucking nurse in there within minutes. Oh, yeah. Not. Don't, they don't come over the speaker and go, can we help you? Yeah, no bullshit like that. No. <laughs> I pay a good premium. I expect superior service. Right. And they better fucking show up. Exactly. Just all those. And I'm not trying to be an asshole to them because, believe me, I've said a million times, nurses are they're superheroes. They are. They are phenomenal they, people. I think that they're more important than doctors. Yeah. Way more. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, because they have firsthand experience with you, whereas the doctors see you briefly. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Anyway, continue. So, so this is in a 10,000 yeah. hour fucking show. After Elizabeth began using the unprescribed medications in an effort to self-medicate, she continued to kill more patients, obviously. As a matter of fact, she killed one right after the other until her kill count reached seven patients at that facility. Um, not to mention the two she had tried to kill before she got the mixture right. Okay. Um, here's what Elizabeth had to say about the 95-year-old Helen Matheson, one of her other patients. She, I'm she died get into so this. young, yeah, but we well, saved the baby. These are some of her confessions. This is part of her confessions, and she only talked about a few of the patients. You know, in the transcripts I got, but I haven't watched the three videos on YouTube of her <laughs> entire confessions yet. But then there's like four of them for Israel Keys that I'm still in the process of watching. Holy shit. Yeah. So um, there was one of her patients that she murdered was 95-year-old Helen Matheson, which 95 years old, you expect her to die. And her, and her murder. She says, I don't remember a lot about her. She was very quiet, very determined, just seemed to be wanting to die. Um, so she's like justifying it. Uh, cool. Yeah. Apparently the night she chose to murder Helen Matheson, she made, seemed to make a bit of a fuss over this patient. Her words, a bit of a fuss. She said, we talked about how much she liked blueberry pie and ice cream. So on my break, I went to Walmart and got a small blueberry pie and some ice cream and brought it to her and she had three or four bites. Then that night I overdosed her because like I said, I had that feeling it was her time to go. So she got, like, her last meal. I can kind of almost see 
stepping back from this, I can almost see, okay, so she was, it's an act of kindness. It's kind of like, hey, this is what you enjoy. And she, it was her time to go, and she was maybe ending her suffering. Well, she was like making the decision that it was her time but to maybe, go because she had that feeling. Maybe Matheson is sitting there saying key words like, look, I'm like a million years old, and <laughs> right. my vagina doesn't look like somebody hit it with a wet sponge. Well, I'll get into something in a minute. And, no, but it's just like maybe she wanted to die if she's in a lot of pain. Maybe. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Right. So after she murdered Helen Matheson, and I'm giving the last name too because there's another Helen later. She again had that familiar feeling in the pit of her stomach. She said, after I did it, I got that laughter. So she talked. then she talked about murdering another patient working there. This was 87-year-old Gladys Millard. She described Gladys as, quote, someone with dementia who wouldn't take her pills and was stubborn. As always, one evening, I just got that red, that red surging feeling that she was going to be the one. Okay? That worries me. Because I'm stubborn as fuck. Oh, you are. But you do take your pills when they tell you to. I was wondering if I ever get dementia with my stubbornness. Oh, my God. Well, like I said, dementia runs in my family, and it's compounded if you've had concussions. And I've had, like, three. So I am so worried I'm going to get dementia when I get older. I am so going to visit you every day in the old folks' home. Well, and my mom already has signs of dementia. And she's only in her 70s. And that's why you should let her and I hook up and get busy. She won't remember you tomorrow. That makes it even better, and it's good for her health because she'll get a shot of penicillin. Thank you, intern. Thank you. Uh, we'll have a party. She'll have a cocktail. <laughs> She's allergic to alcohol, and we all know that you are filled with it. So Not this one. You're my so heat-seeking moisture missile of love. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> so when Elizabeth was asked whether her decision to kill Gladys was done in the spur of the moment. She said spur of the moment, but it would usually start happening, you know, focus on one patient. And then I would feel that red surge, which is what made me think it was God. So spur of the moment. And then she says that she would focus on one patient, but she doesn't say how long before she killed them. She started focusing on them. Good point. Okay, you know, yeah. because that's almost like Cullen. I was in a daze, but this is what happened. Oh, don't get me started. I'm still pissed <laughs> off at his whole thing because he changed his story fucking four several, or five times. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, I was just being merciful to the people. I didn't want to see him suffer. I enjoyed seeing them suffer. I don't remember what I was doing. I was in a day in a daze. I remember exactly what I was doing. Yeah, and I would plan it out ahead of time. It's like fuck days and months ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. it's like Cullen, pick a fucking story and run with that shit, bitch. Yeah, like fucking just just pick one. That's all. Yeah. you yeah. Pick one. Pick pick one. <laughs> and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, her <laughs> weapon of choice was a syringe filled with insulin. After she injected Glass, Gladys with her fatal mixture, she said, I actually helped another nurse move Gladys to the palliative care room, which is where they take them when they're end of life to just, you know, make sure they're comfortable. Oh, okay. I was going to ask what palliative yeah. care room is. And but she's, okay, cool. She was scared out of... She goes, I was scared out of my gourd the whole time. She was going, she was going to say that it, that it was something I did. So she thought Gladys was going to tell on her, you know. But she had dementia, so why would she, you know? Well, I don't know. She might have anyway. She might have, might have been coherent enough. Had a lucid enough. moment. Yeah, and going, hey, this crazy bitch shot me up with some fatal dose. Yeah, of- gave me something. <laughs> now I'm going to die. Yeah, so yet again, it seems that after Gladys died, no red flags were raised. 
No increase seemed to be made, and no autopsy was ordered. See, this so is what the killing continued. Me. You would think, okay, no autopsy, but you would think that they would at least have ran. But blood she work. was eighty-seven years old too. I mean, you got to think about the ages of her patients. I, I do, but it's not suspicious. It's not an unintended. I don't know. In my head, and this is just in my own mind, and my mind's all fucked up. You would think that they would have ran some blood work. Or something. Yeah, yeah. just to kind of go, oh, no, we can confirm that she died because right. of whatever. And then we got to figure, she worked at there, there for several years, and she only killed seven patients. So it's not like 40, 90% of her patients were dying. True. That so. That is one thing I'm already, I kind of admire about Elizabeth a little bit, even though she used insulin, which I think is that's a basic bitch move. Yeah. Totally. But, but two things. Number one, she mixed two forms of insulin, so it wasn't just a straight shotter. Right. And she's not wiping out more than 30% of her patients. No, she's only doing like one every like three or four months as opposed to one every other day. So I'm, I'm kind of... I'm I mean, because we have to remember... I'm freaking, getting so much fucking hate yeah. mail over saying that I like this about But I do because a lot... And, and let, me, let me explain why before you start sending me a bunch say, of fucking hate I was going to say, because Hogel had, what, like 80% of his patients were dying? Right. Colin he, he was the same way. He had a 95% kill count plus. Yeah. A lot or a of, 95 patient kill count. A lot yeah. of our medical Mondays, the, the kill count is better than 30%. Oh, yeah. Shipman like, had almost 300. Yeah. And it looks like Elizabeth is kind of thinking this out, that's feeling it out, you know, kind of like, okay, I know if I kill everybody on this ward, yeah, they're going to know. They're going to oh, fucking yeah. know. But if I do one every couple of months, they're elderly anyway, you know. It looks natural. It's a natural deal. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, pretty much. So kind of liking that in her, kind of liking that yeah. in her so far. So then she talked about another patient. This was 90-year-old Helen Young, another Helen. According to Elizabeth, Helen Young was, quote, a difficult patient who would say, I want to die. Why can't you help me die? And she wasn't young at all. <laughs> no, not at all. And I can understand that because I have known several patients who work, who my mom took care of who would say that often. And Oregon even has assisted suicide, but you have to be really sick. Um, one day, according to Elizabeth, she said something snapped inside and that red surge came back. And I thought, okay. You will die. Fair enough. Yeah. So she said, I came up to her and said, this is for your pain. And I gave her a shot of long acting and short acting insulin. And she started to settle down. And then later on, we put her into bed and I gave her one more shot. All right. Yeah. So then she started working for, she had started working for Care Sign Care in 2007. And she remained there until 2014. In that seven year period, Several dozen patients, as well as their family members, filed complaints. But she only murdered seven people, so that's like one a year, basically. Yeah. You know, averages out that way. Right, right, yeah. Right. Um, but these, so these family members filed complaints with the administration concerning the way she was treating some of the people she was supposed to be taking care of. She also managed to get several written reprimands as a result of the med error she committed. And I read one report saying that she actually showed up to work drunk a couple of times. Okay, she's taking care of 30-plus fucking patients up to 100. Up to, yeah, between 32 and 100 patients at one time. Cut 
the woman a fucking break. I would break. drink too, damn it. Not just the drinking and making med errors and things like that. While it's bad to make med errors. Right, but you're taking care of 100 patients. You know, I think the hospital should have had some accountability in that. Get her some goddamn help. If you don't want errors to happen, limit the possibility you dumb right. fucks. Yeah, if you have 100 patients on an eight-hour shift... You have to see how many patients per hour to get them all covered in that night. And then you can't double back to get the other one again. And I can say that from firsthand experience, not in the medical field, but like for a long time, I was taking on way too many music projects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four or five at a time. Mistakes are made because I'm handling so much shit. Right, and you kind of get them mixed up and jumbled and all that other shit. Right, you know, you're going from a rock song into a classical piece. And all, Dude, this n- doesn't really jive. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, this is a I little mean, too upbeat tempo here. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> a little well, aggressive. I, we, we're not understanding what's happening with, with this right here. Oh, shit, I got to fucking copy that over to this other song. I can't imagine being a nurse. It's a high-stress job to begin with. Oh, totally high-stress. And saying, hey, guess what? You're the only one on staff tonight. There's 30 patients here. Make sure that they're all hunky-dory and not make a mistake. You'd have to be super well, nurse. The 30 patients was on her normal shift. I was cutting it down to the to lowest that we've yeah, heard I was so say, far. And then when she worked the night shift, that increased to 100 patients. Like I said, she wouldn't be able to double back and help the, the first patients. Right. And you're and they're expecting med issues or any issues not to happen. Yeah. You're fucking insane. If you think that that's possible, you're fucking insane. It's, yeah. It might happen sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Totally. But not consistently. Yeah. However, for seven years, despite those complaints that were filed and the med errors, she retained her position there, which, okay. And then in 2014, the administration could no longer justify her continued employment because of everything that was going on. Fair enough. Even though she admits, she actually admits that they terminated her employment, she never mentioned the reason she was fired. Apparently, the company documented the real reason. Um for her termination and set her sent her on about her merry way. However, again, the nurses association swooped in to save the day. Um, they negotiated with the company on her behalf. And after negotiations were complete, um, Elizabeth came out on top. Her record with them was amended to indicate she had resigned under her own will. And, they issued her a $2,000 severance settlement and gave her a letter of recommendation to present to her next employer. What the fuck? Okay. But that's because the freaking the union said, hey, you know. See, and in that case there, because I'm a dick, I think the union should be just as liable. I think that somebody in that union, because now we have a history. Exactly. We have a very specific history of drug abuse. Right. And even as suicide. a union, yes, you're there for the, the employee. But you're also, you're a union for a healthcare industry. Right. You so know? now we have the, the same problem. Exactly. Happening again, and you're going to swoop in to help them. Honestly, I think that, that her rep should be just as liable. Go to prison. Because now you are allowing this criminal oh, yeah. to affect other people's lives and subsequently kill them. Yeah. It well, should be and at the assisting same, I mean, in murders. Like I said, they didn't know that she was doing these murders. However, you're allowing this person with obvious mental health issues, who's obviously having a problem working in this industry, to continue working in this industry. 
Yeah, exactly. And and putting her somebody... and so she will potentially be putting patients in danger, whether they know she's killing them or not. Oh, exactly, and that, that that was my whole point. You know, yeah. you're, you're taking somebody who has the, the this mental these mental health issues, and you're letting her continue employment in a super high stress uh, field field, and going to bath for instead of taking into account the past and going, look, we see a history because history is repeating itself. Yeah. She'd yeah. Be just as fucking liable. Yeah. So, despite the complaint, I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a moment for the care, the company she worked for. Despite the complaints that were lodged against her, nobody told the min- administrators at the facility that sh- they thought she was killing their family members. That's not to say it wasn't a suspicion. Okay. When the co- and I'll tell you about that a little later. When the company amended Elizabeth's employment record, they were not aware she had attempted to murder 63-year-old Michael Priddle and 57-year-old Wayne Hedges, nor were they aware that she had murdered seven patients, an 84-year-old James Silcox, 84-year-old Mo Granat, 87-year-old Gladys Miller, 95-year-old Helen Matheson. Then there was 96-year-old Mary... Zurowinski, 90-year-old Helen Young, and um, 79-year-old Maureen Pickering. So her oldest patient was 96, and her youngest was 79, which are ages that you kind of expect people to die. Yeah, that's up there in age. Yeah. So during her confession, she also admitted to giving two sisters, this is the 87-year-old Clotilda, Adriano. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and her 88-year-old sister, Albina Demideros. <laughs> was she super white? She was an albino? <laughs> she was more than obscenely white. No, I don't no, know. Kid, she's whiter than me. Holy shit, how the yeah. hell did that even happen? Mm-hmm. However, and she gave them insulin injections. Oh, shut up. She gave them insulin injections, which also resulted in her, their deaths. However, they were not attributed to her kill count, and she would only receive two counts of aggravated assault later after her confessions. Um, after she was let go from her position at the Carousant Care, she took the letter of recommendation she received and began to look for another job. It didn't take her long to be hired on at Meadow Park Nursing Home. So she, while she was employed there, she admits that she murdered at least one patient, and this was 75-year-old man by the name of Arpad Horvath. Get the fuck out of here. A-R-P-A-D is his first name, and H-O-R-V-A-T-H is his second name. Yeah, Arpad Horvath. That is... I actually want that name for myself. I would call myself Horvath. I know you would. 100% of You the want time. a Horvath? <laughs> uh, so, have you ever had a Horvath? Yeah. Would have you, you like ever one? Had a po- <laughs> Do you have any Polak in you? Want some? <laughs> I, I use that one. Do you have any yeah. Greek in you? No. You want some, baby? Yeah, yeah, I have a friend that used to say that about his Polish ro- roots. His Polish rope? Roots. What the fuck? <laughs> I was going to say roots, but I was wrong. I'm, I'm Polish, so Shut I have the big up. penis. However, she wasn't at that facility very long either. According to her, she actually resigned from her position when she became addicted to hydromorph. This is a widely used pain medication that she had begun taking to feed her growing addiction. Um, I believe, because it was in quotes, I believe it's like a 
uh, hydrocodone. Okay, so kind of like, like a Vicodin-ish. Yeah, like a Vicodin, like the hydrocodone and acetaminophen type thing. Right, okay. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. No horbath um, for her, though, huh? No. Damn. To obtain this medication, she again resorted to misappropriating patient doses. Now, this is what she says about it. She said some of them had confusion, so they couldn't tell the difference between what pills you were giving them, which is true. Yeah. And so she says, I would give the, I could give them laxatives instead of their hydromorph. Well, and it makes sense because, like, when, when my crazy pills get, get changed up, they actually send me a notification. Oh, yeah. My pharmacy tells me. Yeah. And this is, hey, we, we, you know, I'll get a little Switch notification. manufacturers or whatever. Yeah. So, and it gives a description of the pill, too. Yeah. Because for a little what while. What it's going to look like and everything. Like for, for a while, it was a smaller white pill. Okay. Then it went to an oblong yellow pill. Okay. And now it's to like a mediumish size white pill. That's oh, yeah. Thick. And, and it gives the whole thing. It says, and this number will be stamped on the front. You know, to identify Oh, yeah. It tells it. you exactly what's stamped on it and everything. Yeah, yeah. So that way there you can look at it. And if the pharmacist like said, hey, I'm going to give him laxative so he shits himself. You're looking and going, I don't think so, asshole. Because that right there, yeah. that's not what they sent well, me. Well, and when my dad was in the assisted living, he would go take his medication and he'd get a whole like cup of them. And I go, Dad, what are you taking? And he goes, I don't know. I said, you should always know and have them tell you exactly what you're taking. I said, I trust these people. However, that's not always the case. I don't trust anybody. Well, and it's like, I know that there were some, have been some nurses at my mom's facility that would misappropriate narcotics and give people aspirin instead. Jesus Christ. You know man. what I mean? Because nobody really knows. Yeah, they, exactly. And old people don't fucking ask. So get take this lesson away from this, boys and girls. Seriously. Ask them what medications they're giving you. And know what they look like. Yeah. Like, seriously, protect your health. Yeah. It, I mean, we always do PSAs in these anyways. So um, when she left Meadow Park, she was hired to work for a retirement home located in Paris, Ontario. While she was there, she gave 77-year-old Sandra Towler an injection of insulin with intent to murder, but she didn't die. From what I found out, she didn't remain at that facility very long either, but I wasn't able to determine the reason why she was no longer there. After that, she started a position as an in-home nurse where she traveled to patients' homes to administer their care. She later admitted that while she was an in-home care provider, she gave 68-year-old Beverly Bertram, uh, who lived in Ingersoll, Ontario, an insulin injection with intent to murder. But she, again, she did not die either. So according to what Elizabeth said in her confessions about the year she was a nurse and the patient she had murdered, she says, I, honest, I honestly believed at the time that God wanted me to do it, but I know now that's not true. Well, at least she knows. Yeah. So there were signs that were ignored and patterns were covered up. Um, Over the years, Elizabeth was a nurse working for various facilities and murdering some of her patients. Nobody noticed there was something amiss with her nursing practices. However, it does appear as that there were signs that people either blatantly ignored or they brushed them aside and didn't pay close attention to them until it was too late. Um, For instance... There was an occasion where family members of one victim had doubts concerning the death of their loved one. Instead of taking their concerns to the facility administrator, they went directly to the coroner and asked them to investigate. Okay. However, the coroner refused their request. He claimed that investigating the death of an elderly patient was, quote, too much trouble. 
And the fact is old people are known to die. It's a cycle of life. They were just meant to. And he said, get over it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That guy sounds like a peach. Yeah. What a great guy. Well, we're talking to somebody. I mean, you're listening to somebody here who fought tooth and nail to get an autopsy on my brother when he died. I mean, I freaking called everybody in Arizona to get it done. <laughs> Despite there being a plethora of evidence indicating that she suffered from a mental disorder and she found and she had been found in conditions that were, quote, danger to her patients, the Ontario Nurses Association always chose to look the other way. And this was obvious in the times they advocated to get her employment records amended in her favor. Oh, okay. You know, because I talked, I mean, two instances where she was fired and they were like, no, change her record. Right, right, right. So um, even though administrators at some of the facilities had caught her in compromising situations, not to mention they had discovered she had been responsible for many med errors. So they knew she was less incompetent nurse. However, they continued to keep her on staff. Their reasoning... (laughs) At the, um, their reasoning for that was at the wages being offered to their staff, high quality nurses weren't easy to find. So they were okay with this subpar nurse. No, it's a silence. I'm just shaking my head. Yeah. Well, I'll get into something in a little bit that really fucking pisses me off. Fucking believable. Yeah. During one one of Elizabeth's Narcotics Anonymous meetings, she told someone that she had been killing her patients at work. However, this person wrote her statements off as those from a pathological liar. As a matter of fact, with the exception of Toop, everyone she told outside of work about her actions blew her remarks off, assuming they were just more of her lies. See, and this is why I always say this. Error on the side of caution. Yes. I would honestly, I'd rather go to the cops and say, hey, man, I was at an, uh, a meeting and this dude said this and this and this and have them investigate and come back and say, oh, no, you're just, you're crazy, Scott. Yeah. Rather than go, ah. Yeah, well, you'll find that out in the next episode. I don't know about about it. I think he's full of shit. And they go, wow, he killed 20 people. Okay. Yeah. You were right to be suspicious. Fuck. So, Elizabeth, according to Elizabeth, while she was, uh, oh, wait, the sad reality is this. Elizabeth Wetlawfer wouldn't have had any problems continuing her murdering um, the patients under her care. She even she may even be killing random patients to this day if it wasn't for one detail. She put a stop to her murderous actions herself. Oh, okay. That's mighty wide of her. Yeah. According to her, while she was killing her patients, it got to a point where it took a different turn. She said, I felt horrible. I felt angry at myself. I felt like I had failed myself. I felt like God had failed me. Okay. Yeah. To get some answers to her internal concerns, she continued attending church services. At some point, she felt compelled to talk to her pastor and tell him what sh- that she had murdered some of her patients with insulin injections. Okay. Now, after she confessed to the minister, he and his wife just said a prayer over her and and literally said, this is God's grace. However, she also claims they told her if she killed another patient after that, they would turn her over to authorities. So they were forgiving the one she had already murdered, but said if she continued to murder, they would turn her in. Jesus Christ. What the fuck is wrong with people? So... 
When she gave her confession to detectives later, she claims that the murders were not committed as a result of the med errors, nor were they... Um, so the errors were in addition to the killings. She also said that she didn't make the choice to murder her patients as a result of her addiction. So it's not like she was in an addiction haze and she's like, right. you know, I'm going to kill somebody. She made a conscious choice. However, she also told detectives about her fe- the feelings in her stomach had begun to change. She said the laughter afterward, which was really, she goes, it was like a cackling from the pit of hell, if that makes sense. So it gone from this like laughter to this like dark cackling. That is definitely a deep psychosis right yeah, there. Exactly what I was thinking. So in September of 2015, she decided to check herself into a treatment program. Actually, schizophrenia. It sounds really a little bit like schizophrenia. Yeah. If she was hearing the voices outside of her head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of putting that together. But then a lot of people with deep psychosis do think that they're getting messages from God because there was that those two sisters in Oregon I told you about. Oh, yeah. Who said that they were compelled by God to kill these people. And we all know that God only talks to me. Because you're his right-hand man? Because he knows that I should be hooking up with your mom for the betterment of all of oh, mankind. Dear God, no, he does not. Oh, yeah. No, he's talked to me and he said, don't let ever let that happen. He talked to me and he goes, smack that ass, smack that ass, rub it down with oil. I was going to say, smack it up, rub it, fl- smack it up, flip it, rub it down, oh my. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're so stupid. I got strawberry you know flavored really oil funny now. Is you say some things and I automatically get a rap song in my head and then I say it out loud and you go, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Um, let's see. Where was I? Okay, so she wanted help dealing with her drinking and prescription drug problem. So she was seeking the help. So the facility she chose to go to for treatment was called the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, and it was located in Toronto. When Elizabeth was in this treatment program, remember, this was only, what, six years ago? She began telling different staff members that she had spent nearly the last decade killing her patients. At first... The staff members considered her statements to be just ramblings. Ooh, that looks delicious. I'm having him cure my, recure my pen. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Um, However, someone finally began to pay closer attention to what this woman was saying, and they listened to her words. Um, That's when the authorities were finally notified about what Elizabeth had been doing while she was employed as a nurse at various facilities. It's also when she sat down with the detective Hergot and gave him and his partner her complete confession. So she basically turned herself in. Okay, well, and that's good. I mean, she didn't go down to the police station and turn herself in, but she let people know what she was doing. And I respect that because... It's, it could be nobody wants to go to the cop shop and go, hey, guys, I've been killing people because that is scary as shit. Oh, yeah. But if you're telling other nurses and everything like that, and if they tell them, it's it's you're, yeah, you're doing I mean, your due diligence. I've often wondered how Patrick Kearney, you know, I'm sure he got nervous, you know, was nervous. And oh, shit, yeah, man, but Pat's shit. got he's got he's got nervous. And too. Robert. Um, David. No, Spahalski. We just did him, didn't we? Yeah, because remember he killed his best one of his good friends and went down and told, you know, told him I killed somebody and then 
confessed to four murders and was afraid that they'd label him a serial oh, killer. Yeah. <laughs> him and his twin brother kill people. He doesn't count because he was higher than draft pussy. He and uh, <laughs> I love that saying. Yeah, he was. He went in there all fucking high and shit. So he doesn't count. When, yeah. when you're high, you do stupid shit. Yeah. And well, and right Patrick Kearney didn't drink or do drugs. So no, he he's not a drinker. He doesn't do drugs. Doesn't yeah. smoke. Nothing like that. Yeah. You know. Um. And he I, was totally sober and coherent when he went in and right. said, this is what I've done. Right, exactly. That's why I'm composing another letter, because I haven't heard from him. I know. I wonder, I'm, I'm I wonder if he's little, okay. I'm a little worried about him. Hopefully he didn't get in trouble and go to the hole, but I don't see him doing no, that. No, Patrick. I, I see him as being a model inmate, because he seems so calm. And Pat's not know. getting into any fucking trouble. And if I he is, that. your lawyers are going to go down there and take care of it. Oh, right? no. He's got attorneys for that shit. But I... Do kind of want you to call his prison and kind of maybe do a wellness check on him? Oh, I might be able to do that. A little bit worried about so, my buddy. Yeah. So after she provided her official confession, the authorities charged her with eight counts of murder. Now I read reports that she possibly killed up to fifteen, if not more, but she only confessed to these eight. Um, they also charged her with four counts of attempted murder. You know, for the two patients later and the two patients in the beginning. And two counts of aggravated assault for the two sisters that she killed. In the end, she chose not to fight the charges, and she pled guilty to all of them. So the court issued her life sentence. However, in Canada, you're going to love this one, a life sentence for the charges she pled guilty to only amounted to 25 years. Yeah. I mean, it's not okay. like Bernardo, and it, but it's longer than Homolka. <laughs> All right. God damn it. But then we found this in Mexico, too. They have limits on their life sentences. I'm over here just getting really fucking pissed because yeah. I think about fucking Hermolka who's walking free and somebody should really, hypothetically, if she got ran over or somebody beat her to death or shot her, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. Just say it. Hypothetically, I'm not saying that anybody should actually do it. And I'm not going to hire anybody to do it. I'm not hiring anybody to do it, but, you know, I, well, actually, with Elizabeth here, I'm a little torn because... She's seeking help. Yeah, she talked to people about what she was doing to try <sighs> to, you know, stop it. And, you know, there were a lot of times during her confession where she said that she started to feel bad. And she started to second guess what she was doing. You see, with the remorse factor in there and her wanting to get help, uh, 25 years. She's how old? Uh, she was born in 67. So she was what? 50 years old by the time this happened. Okay, so she's not... She's gonna She'll be 70-something, yeah. Yeah, she's going to be her victim's age. Yeah. Um, that's if she God. doesn't get in any trouble. She's a hard one. Like, seriously, because yeah. I'm sitting there going, well, on the one hand, she's kind of outed herself and is trying to seek help. And she didn't kill, like, 95% of her patients, you know? Yeah, it's it's really hard to determine here. I'm having a hard time with this one. Yeah, like, I'm me having, too. I'm really just continuing. Right. My brain's just going to keep fucking going. So um, the judge, actually, uh, during her sentencing, the judge, judge Thomas said to her, it is a complete betrayal of trust when a caregiver does not prolong life but terminates it. She was the shadow of death that passed over them on the night shift where she supervised. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in assisted suicide. I believe that somebody should be able to die with dignity. And if they're in a lot of pain and suffering, why prolong that? 
You know what I mean? Exactly. That's why if I ever have to use uh, doctor-assisted suicide... You're I wanna, moving to Oregon? Moving to Oregon. I want to be surrounded with hookers and blow. I want to die with some dignity. But not heroin. Side note. Yeah, side note. <laughs> I've never done heroin. Side note. Just so you all know, never done heroin. <laughs> but I've thought about it when I listen to Tammy talk. <laughs> I, quite often. There's times I go, I need something a little bit stronger. Um, I'm going to need uh, a bourbon. No. A little bit of scotch. Heroin. That's no, what I yeah, need. I want heroin because I want to go on the nod, so I'm asleep when she's talking. She'll be sleeping. I'll be on the nod. It'd be great. Yeah. So now you often wonder where things went wrong. So the Ontario government officials actually launched a public inquiry to review her case, which is they go over to find out where, you know, because they wanted to determine if any other in- individual or entity should be held responsible. Now, remember when we talked about that one case? where um, they held the uh, facilities responsible, right? Remember? I think that they should be holding the fucking Nurses Association yeah. for Canada responsible. Guys, I, I'm, I'm, if, you're my, if you're our listeners and you work for the, the Nurses Association of Canada, you're just as responsible. You allowed right. it to freaking happen. Right. Well, I'll get into that some of it here in a minute. So the inquiry panel listened to testimonies for two years before they were ready to make their decision. When all was said and done, the report was released, and this is what it had to say. In regards to Elizabeth's crimes, she was the only individual responsible for the murders. However, the entire elder care system of Canada as a whole was also at fault, especially since she was able to get away with killing for so long. The lead justice covering the inquiry, Justice Eileen E. Gillis, G-I-L-L-E-S-E, issued her report on July 31st, 2019. The final report consisted of four volumes and a total of 1,441 pages. Holy moly, that chicken right. Go on with your bad self. In it, she detailed 91 recommendations she felt needed to be made in the elder care industry. She also said it appears that no one in the long-term care system conceived of a possibility that a healthcare provider might intentionally harm those within her care. And consequently, no one looked for this or took steps to guard against it, which like I said, I have found that she is the only medical serial killer I could find in Canada. Okay. No. And I dig that. So a president hadn't been set. However, Watch the fucking news, people. I was going to say, Canada isn't under a rock. You yeah. get media as, as well as we do. Yeah, you, and you're under British rule. So no, they're you, not. Not anymore. Oh, not anymore. But no, that still, was like in the 80s. Oh, that, no, that's true. But then at the same time, they get a lot of like uh, BBC and world news there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of yeah. English uh, influence, but... You're not a closed-in society. Exactly. You're a developed country. You should be able to go, hey, there's at least, for lack of better words, a possibility. That it could happen. That it could happen here. You know? Just because everybody in Canada is You're not isolated. Yeah. Yeah. You're not your own little oasis. But them not knowing that she's killing people is understandable because she's not wiping out. Yeah, dozens. Even, even 10% or even yeah. 5%. Because if you figure 15 patients even in nine years isn't very many. No, that's like, what, less than 1% if you consider oh, yeah. at 100 patients. It's exactly. Less than 1%. So, yeah, that part, 
I don't I don't fault Matt. What I do fault though is the nurses association there. Oh, me too. Allowing her to go and, and you're going to bat for her so she can go back into uh, an industry that she shouldn't really be in. Right, where she's had problems before. After she's had continuing prob the same problem. Yeah. Again and again. Okay, so the first time I can kind of see it then, but the second or possibly third time. Okay, well, even the first time, though, there's no recommendation for her to get treatment. There's True. no recommendation for her to get counseling. True. There's no recommendation to, to cure the problem. Mm-hmm. All they did was go in and say, hey, this isn't fair, and you need to amend the records. And they go, okay, don't sue us. We'll do it. And they fucking do yeah, it. Yeah, because to, to me, take it sounded those same like practices. they were going to bat on her behalf because you can't discriminate against mental health issues. Yeah. But she had a <laughs> drug problem. Hello. Yeah, and, it, and they, she was suicidal. And they allowed her to take that same set of problems and do it again. And, and again. still went to bat for it and go, yeah. hey, hey, that's not fair. You need to correct. No, it's very relevant. It's yeah. very, very relevant. If you're seeing, there's a pattern. Yeah, she's going to work drunk, you know. I want to come to work drunk. <laughs> you do sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Not your trucking gig, but here we kind of do day drinking. Of course not my trucking gig. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't drink a drink. <laughs> I know you don't. So she also said fundamental changes must be made, changes that are directed at preventing, deterring, and detecting wrongdoing of the sort that Wetlawfer committed. Now, this begs the question, what and can will be done to make sure the changes that are necessary to remedy the problem are made? Considering the funding issue that appears to be happening in Canada at the moment, I personally doubt safeguards have been implemented. For instance, it seems as if the government officials for Ontario have been and currently are in the process of, quote, a cost-cutting mission. Okay? Especially when you consider the sheer number of nurses who have been laid off and not to mention the public health facilities that have been permanently closed. So they're not improving the industry at all. So these two factors alone don't bode well for the improvement of care for elderly. That Then when COVID-19 reared its ugly head, it brought to light the atrocious conditions that seem to be predominant among long-term care facilities in the entire country. I came across a report. This is what sickened me. I came across a report from November 19th of 2021, so just a few months ago, right? that had, been, had some appalling statistics regarding COVID-19 in Canada. The article claimed that in a four and a half month period from February 25th to July 11th in 2020 in the Quebec province, residents 70 years old and older made up 92% of the COVID deaths. 92%. That number is not only astronomical, it should be punishable. (coughs) One might be wondering why the death toll among elderly rose so significantly. Um, And I actually just, Happen to have the reason, um, which I think is uncalled for. Some reports have attributed the rise in deaths to understaffing and inadequate isolation procedures. However, that is just a portion of the problem. Um, the majority of COVID-19 related deaths among the elderly in Canada could have been prevented. The patients weren't at high risk for morbidity. They were just denied adequate medical care. I found one, the account of one doctor, uh, Dr. Vin Kim Gwen, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Nguyen. Nguyen. Excuse me. 
then why did back in the nineties they had Dustin Gwen on um Twenty One Jump Street? That's what he called himself. I don't fucking don't know no. That's a Vietnamese name. I know. I'm just saying. Jesus. Do I look Vietnamese to you? I'm obscenely white. I know. And you're not a black man like you try to claim sometimes, you know. But I do get my hardcore ghetto card, yo. No, no, you don't. So he's the doctor who uh originally worked in the Jewish General Hospital Emergency Department. He was at the the beginning of the pandemic. Did he wear a yarmulke? I don't know. Hey, hey, you can be Asian. Can you be a Vietnamese Jew? But of course, he can come over to the temple and he can say, I'm going to be Jewish from now on. And he puts on his yarmulke. And he gets a Jewish name. And he gets a Jewish name. And then, you know, we all sit around and we eat gavelta fish. And uh, that's just, I, that just looks nasty. I've never had it and I'm afraid to try it. Then we talk about. um, Have you had? No. Okay. We talk about controlling the banks like Jews always do. Yeah. Controlling the money. (laughs) Continue on. He he worked in the emergency department there at the beginning of the pandemic. He stated that elderly patients who were transferred to the hospital for treatment recovered rather well. All they needed were some fluids due to dehydration and possibly some oxygen treatments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. It's a lung disease. Yeah, exactly. So, however, this doctor was transferred to one of the local long-term care facilities, and he realized how dire the situation really was. He had some patients test positive for the virus, and few of them required further treatment. So he wanted to send them to the hospital to receive it, right? He found out fast that in order to transfer a patient to the hospital for treatment, he had to get past lots of obstacles. Apparently, the guidelines in Canada pertaining to public health strongly recommend that long-term care facilities keep their residents there who have tested positive for the virus rather than transfer them to receive treatment somewhere else. The problem with those guidelines is long-term care facilities aren't able to accommodate certain types of treatment. The only available measures the majority of them have available are what's considered, quote, end-of-life respiratory distress protocols, where they can only... Um, oh, well, he said that and increased medication doses is to facilitate pain management. So according to him, these are protocols that lead to death. What really traumatized him was that he saw few, saw some patients who didn't have to go there. They could have been treated. So it was like their form of euthanasia. 92% of the deaths were Socialized medicine. Yeah, it was crazy. Here's what people don't realize, okay? And this is just my take on it. I could be wrong. Socialized medicine works great for those who can afford it. And what I mean is this, because you can buy extra health coverage. Oh, yeah. So if you're a politician or you're up there in the financial (laughs) scale. Like our politicians get better medical care. Yeah. You can afford to buy that extra policy, but your regular Tom, Dick, and Harry out there who's just a working stiff might not be able to. People like me wouldn't be able to, but people like you could. Might be able to afford that extra policy. Whatever, dude. Maybe. We all know you could. (laughs) But yeah, that's the problem I have with socialized medicine. That's why I I believe that the government should help the indigent because nobody should go without medical care. This is true. But... I like the fact of that I have my own medical care. Right. And that I 
And it's actually rather good coverage. I do. I, I excellent coverage. I mean, unfortunately, some businesses don't give good coverage like that. But. Right, right, right. You know, but I know that if I need a doctor, I'm going to go see a fucking doctor. If I need a treatment, yeah, they're going to give it to me. Yeah. Because you know? mom just switched to Kaiser, and she's actually getting really good care. And they, because she's only living off her Social Security, um, they actually went to bat on her behalf and filled out the documentation. So now she gets her meds for free too. And the right. only time she makes any payments is if she has to go to the doctor. She has a small copay. Right. That's the way my former business partner parents uh, did theirs. So they had Kaiser as well. Yeah. The it's downside- called long term elder. Cares. I mean, well, the downside was that the only hospital, closest hospital, because they were living in Longview, was Clackamas. Oh, oh, yeah. But at one point, her dad had to be rushed before he passed away, of course, uh, to the hospital, and they told him, "No, take him to the closest hospital, and then we'll have him transported from there." Yeah, stable. But um, you know, I've heard a lot of bad things about Kaiser, but honestly, I've had him for years, and right. I fucking love him. Right. Well, mom has Kaiser now, and we. Thankfully, we have a hospital in like the Hillsboro Loa area, but I had to take her to freaking the one in North Portland for a test one time. And when she had Kaiser a long time ago, when she got uh, viral meningitis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she went to the doctor's office there in Beaverton and they sent her actually to St. V's over there on Barnes Road because it was closer. Right. And then St. V's actually transferred her to Clackamas. To be, you know, after they stabilize her. But still, it's like, yeah, with a lot of those, like, um, in, you know, the uh, complete care facilities like Kaiser that have their own facilities, own doctors and stuff. Sometimes, if it's not one of their network facilities, they have an issue with you going there unless it's a dire emergency. Right, because they try to keep your costs low. Right. That's the reason. But I'm, I'm, that's why I don't like... That's why they never medicine. used to give you a primary care. You had to see whoever was there for a long time. Remember that? No. Oh, you weren't uh, with them back then? No. I've, I've only had them. Um, I got them first eight years ago. And then we went to uh, Providence and then back to. Uh, I'll tell you, the best insurance coverage I ever had was when I worked for the spa parts manufacturer. And their home office is located in California. And so we had Blue Cross Blue Shield California. And they covered a shit ton more shit than Oregon Blue Cross did. That's how I was able to get my stomach surgery. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Continue on. So anyways, I just have a cup. One more. Well, two interesting facts about this. In October, the month after Elizabeth confessed to her murders in October 2007. So this is even before she was sentenced. Another facility was ordered to stop another care sunk care facility was ordered to stop uh, admitting new patients by the Ontario Ministry of Health. Um, the reason for the temporary cease and desist order was the result of deficiencies the facility received. The uh, ministry official stated there is a risk of harm to the health of or well being of residents of the home or persons who might be admitted as residents. After making the necessary changes, though, that particular facility was allowed to open its door to admissions. However, by that time, two of their other facilities operated op- that they were operating were issued temporary cease and desist orders pertaining to new admissions, and the violations incurred were in relation to cleanliness, safety, and understaffing. Now, this just goes to show that people that 
show people that Canada has a serious problem mm-hmm. when it comes to the care provided to the elderly throughout the country. I know from personal experience that guidelines here, specifically Oregon, are very strict. There's only so many patients per staff member, um, and that includes so many patients per nurse on staff, and then so many patients, and then it's a different number for so many patients per uh, um, CNA, the assistants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and like I said, every facility in the state is required to undergo yearly evaluations from state health officials to ensure that residents are receiving proper care. They go through all of the files. They inspect everything, including the fire codes, all that shit. Yeah. And so I feel that the same mandate should apply to every developed country across the globe. I agree because you you really can rate a place by how they take care of their citizens. Mm-hmm. And medical is, is huge. Like I said, uh, I don't expect the indigent to get the same care that I do. Because no. and, and here's the reason. Because it's taxpayer funded. Correct. And there's and, oh, there's limited funds there. Right. So unless you want to raise the taxes. The taxes <laughs> right. I was just wondering what the hell that sound was. But anyway, it's unless, a motorcycle. unless you want to raise the taxes through the fucking roof. Right. You know, you're not going to you're not going to have the four star treatment like I like I get. Correct. You know, so I understand that. But they still get adequate treatment. They get medications. Right. They, you know, if they got to go to the hospital, they're, they're taken care of. Um, Right. Well, and I'll admit that right now, because of my employment status, you know, because I'm trying to go through a process here, um, I have low cost medical care, but I actually still receive very good medical treatment, you know. So, I mean, but at the same time, I mean, I know for well, and this I know for a fact, too, is that the long term care facilities in Oregon, when they have their yearly evaluations, because they have tags that, I mean, F-tag is like a failure. And, you know, they just have to make, you know, come up with a, a remedy, plan, like a, you know, plan that, you know. To treat, fix the problem. Yeah. yeah, to fix the problem. And then they have so long to implement that plan. Okay. Okay. Then they have the I-tags, which are immediate, they're considered immediate um, concerns. Oh, okay. That, Usually, if they receive an eye take, they are no longer allowed to take admissions until they get those fixed. Oh, fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So, but every long-term care facility in Oregon wants to get at least one FTA when they have their evaluations, because then, and there's a reason, then the feds won't come in and do their evaluations, because they can have federal agencies come in, and they're a lot stricter okay. and a lot more in-depth. So a lot of facilities want an FTEG. Usually they want it in um, culinary or maintenance as opposed to nursing. Of course, yeah. You know, but at the same time, they want at least one, if not two. Because those are usually easy to fix, and it keeps the feds off their back. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because okay. one of the facilities my mom worked for received no tags one year, and within a month, the feds were there. Jesus Christ. Because they were like, there must be a problem if you're not getting tagged. Somebody's overlooking something. <laughs> but yeah, so. But, at, you know, like I said, I when it comes to long-term care, these people have lived a long life. And let's be honest, right now, the elderly went through a hell shit ton of shit. I mean, oh, yeah. some of them went through the Depression, World War II, Vietnam War. I mean, the Korean War. I mean, that's just to name a few of the shit they went through. Yeah, I agree. You know, and 
honestly, some of the residents over here, I don't know about Canada, are refugees from the concentration camps in Germany. Shut up, Dieter. I wasn't even going to bring Dieter out. Oh, my God. But now that you mention it, Miss Tabby, can you tell me where they are? Because I'm... I am missing some of my friends. <laughs> yeah, well, like and then let's them. take the internment camps that we put the Japanese in when we had Pearl Harbor, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And now we have electronics and sushi. Dude, <laughs> we love electronics and sushi. That we do. But yeah, so that's all I have on her. Um, like I said, the the situation regarding her was just aggravating to me because it's like, they're not taking the steps to remedy the situation. I agree. I totally agree. You know, and you know, fucking Canada, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> yeah. Take care of your people. Yeah. All right. So remember you can send us an email at brutal nation at twisted blue, LLC.com. Uh, visit the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. I'm not even going to tell you about the Amazon link because apparently none of you click on it anyway. Well, some do, but, you know. Some do, but goddamn. Get on there, people. Even if you have the Amazon app, you can go through the website and click on it, and it'll take you over to the app, but it's, you know, we still get the benefits of it. Check out our Patreon and ignore the big ticket Patreon one. Yeah, those are just, you know, for and giggles yeah you know um you know any, anything helps the show it really does you know the, even a, a small donation and we're gonna be having some t-shirt giveaways pretty soon can't wait to see him when you pick him up i know i can't wait to see him either done. um let's see what else check us out on medium crime beat on medium and wherever you get your uh uh blogs that's it right. jesus and this is a side note if you do want to start your own podcast, shoot us an email at admin at twistedbluellc.com. Pitch us your idea because yep. uh, we're, we're getting ready to. Yeah, our, com- our parent company is really looking to expand their podcast division. Yeah. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. You can catch uh, my sexy self on another episode. Yeah. Real. Bye. Tune in tomorrow for me again. Oh, that's right. It's you again, huh? (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.